Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is May 19th, 2019, and this is episode 267. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll get an annual visit from the baseball widows. We'll also ask each other, what makes us happy? And uh, we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, I've got Glenn Libet, 15-year-old, uh, over ice. Um, yeah, wonderful concoction to drink this Sunday evening. It smells good from here. Yes. Uh, I am drinking worse beer than usual. Okay. Uh, there's a story here. I'm drinking, what am I drinking? I am drinking Michelob Ultra Pure Gold mm. Organic Light Beer. Because it wasn't enough to be bad. You've got to be bad and organic. Um, you get that at Whole Foods? <laughs> We have a mutual friend who uh, turned me on to drinking Molson uh, Golden with crabs. Yeah. Uh, so, so you had crabs this evening? Had had crabs on uh, Sunday. Or okay. Sat, fr- Friday. Friday. Okay. Uh, bl- uh, delayed Mother's Day gathering. Okay. Um, so, and so you didn't have crabs this evening? No. Okay. No, no. But you're still drinking it? Well, it's leftover. Imagine so, that. So the friend said, if you drink this, it's really good with crabs. Um. But you're not eating crabs. I'm not. It's left in the fridge, and therefore, I'm drinking it. So you ignored your friend? Oh, no, no, no. Um, Someone who shall go nameless um, picked up the wrong thing. And, um, well, it it also starts with an M, Mm. which is... yeah. Hmm. Anyway, if you're interested to find out what we are drinking, please join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five. I'm at M A G N eight six zero six. Probably drinking a sour beer that Jake will never taste. And with that, let's come on over into the medical wing and find out who's ready for a checkup. It's that time for the medical wing. Scott, first and foremost, we have to start with the most significant injury in the realm of Birdland, and that is... Did Adam Jones get hurt? <laughs> that's you and your pipes. I mean, oh, last week, yeah. you were on the injured list. You were unable to to make the game. Uh, Scotty, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm doing great. Normally, uh, in the past, you and I have um, nursed through it, as it Should were. We power with, through. Yeah. With some uh, gin and tonic, as it were. Uh, but, uh, the strap it's medicinal. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the strap bug was, um, rampantly going through the Magnus household, uh, to the point where I basically couldn't even swallow my spit. And when you can't swallow gin and tonic, dark times, folks, dark times. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the reprieve as it were. Um, and, uh, I am in a much better situation and shape, uh, going into this evening. Well, that, that is a relief. Now let's go with the, let's go with the lesser important injuries sure so we have uh, alex cobb still uh, kind of dealing with his lumbar strain uh allegedly he's going to start rehab soon in florida but there is no uh dedicated day at this time um but mark trumbo did get into uh extended spring training games he came in uh played yesterday uh and got two hit by pitches well hey he's off to a rousing start Uh, off to a rousing start and we can finally take off my injured dick from the medical wing I thought that was a throat. 
Oh, no. This is Richard Blyer that I'm talking oh, about. gotcha. So Richard gotcha. Blyer, he's back. Uh, has pitched one in two-thirds innings. Uh, still isn't great, but uh, Dick Blyer, back once again. And his, his arm and his back are still attached. Yep, take it out of the sling. We're ready to go. So, hey, what we can say is that the Orioles are pretty healthy. So things should be going pretty well for them. Mm, except they're not. Let's get into that in 280 characters less this week on the Twitters. Scotty, I found something on the Twitters that I'm super excited about. I'm going to contact the Orioles immediately because, as you know, uh, the Orioles and I are in constant contact. I've got the bat phone. Um, they will um, they, they will listen to me. This is a tweet that comes from Trevor Bauer, who, of course, tweets at Bauer Outage. He's a pitcher for the Cleveland Indians. There's video. It's four minutes long. I'm not going to ask you to play it here, particularly because uh, I want to warn people there's some language uh, all right, so don't don't play it around the kids. But if I can describe this video poorly, it appears to be uh, Bauer and someone else who I don't know sitting down and having a conversation. And Bauer is telling a story about being heckled by an Orioles fan at Cannon Yards. And there's like it's intercut with like a cartoon uh, dramatizing the story that he's telling. And it very much reminded me of, of like a drunk history style of presentation. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed the the uh, drunken heckling from the Orioles fan. I also appreciated uh, Bauer's take on it. But Orioles, you have got to get on this. We absolutely need this uh, style of storytelling for a season such as this. Again, that's a little blue. Click at your own uh, at your own risk. Yeah. Uh, you know, at least the Orioles aren't a laughing stock right now for for the 2019. Oh wait. Um, I take that back. Uh, let's take a look at this tweet from Cut4 at Cut4. Um, we don't have words to describe this highlight. Um, just take a look. And I, I've got uh, some video here because it's only 40 seconds and not four minutes. And there's no adult content in here. So Jason Kipnis bounces one towards second. They run him back. They don't tag Lindor. They get the out. And they say he's safe at first. Now the throw home. They're safe there. They completely botched it. I don't know what in the world happened there. I'll tell you what happened there. Uh, the Orioles happened there. Uh, so, yeah, the Orioles don't get a uh, an out at uh, first base. Um, there is obviously a tag play at sec- uh, in between first and second. Uh, they don't get that. And then a run comes home. I don't know what's wrong with you. How dare you say that there's no adult content? That, that play was not safe for work. Because there was balls in play? <laughs> it was just ugly. Yeah. Uh, our next tweet we're gonna we're gonna put this under the category of friends, not fans. It's a tweet that comes from the Baseball Hall of Fame, who tweet at Baseball Hall. Few Baltimore sports figures are quite as beloved as at Orioles third baseman Brooks Robinson, regarded by many as the greatest defensive third baseman of all time. The Hall of Fame returns eighty two. Happy birthday, Brooks! And then there's a, a link to the baseball um, dot baseballhall dot org uh, link to Brooks Robinson. 82nd uh, birthday, boy, howdy, uh, a privilege to be alive at a time that we can still have access to Brooks Robinson, uh, one of the best per, uh, people to listen to tell a story, uh, a link back to the glory days, and a, a better human you will not find. So, Jake, uh, this story has been making its rounds on the, uh, let's call it the Birdland social media, as it were. Uh, and it's a tweet that comes from Ryan Dorsey, um, Baltimore City Council District 3 um, councilman. Uh, and he was in Tokyo. Why we have a Baltimore City Councilman in Tokyo? Uh, 
not here to judge. You know, if he wants to go and, you know, look at certain things, he can do so. Domo arigato. Yeah. Uh, Ryan posts as follows. Spotted this guy on the train in Tokyo. Asked, how about demos? Very dryly, he responded in a German accent. Oh, I see. It's because of the, uh, points at hat. I just like the duck. I think it's cool. I, too, like the duck. Yeah, I like the duck. No question. I feel like that needs to be a thing. Like when the Orioles, I don't know, fail to uh, record an out in a rundown slash uh, runner going home. I like the duck. I like the duck. We're going to get to I like the duck at a later point. I like this. All right. Um, I want to know, Scotty, would this be a life-changing moment for you? This is a tweet that comes from our good friend Matt Taylor at the Roar from 34, who tweets at Roar from 34. Old Old Bay Sunflowers. Yes, please. Let me try that again. Old Bay Sunflower Seeds. Yes, please. I don't know that I'm on team uh, sunflower seeds. Are you on sunflower seeds at all? Yeah. Like, you're a big fan of sunflower Absolutely. seeds. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen you carry bags and bags of them in your trunk. Just not sure I'm I'm digging Old Bay. What if um, I gave you a bag of Old Bay sunflower seeds, and then I gave you a can of Dead Rise uh, beer? Okay. You you win. You, you won me over. And just say, Jake, have at it. Or would you rather have a good old Michelob Ultra Pure Gold to eat your... Uh, old bay sunflower seeds with you're gonna have to give me something else uh in order to make me choke down this uh megalobe ultra pure gold yeah Oof. awful uh last one uh this tweet comes from morgan day you can follow her at mmday314 i prepare for the season but in a much more real sense i didn't prepare at all and folks this is why it's important to realize that even in spring training we're probably not in the best shape of our lives are you saying that we did not steal our hearts away for the disappointment to come. No, we didn't. We didn't prepare ourselves whatsoever. I feel like, you know, every time I sit down to watch a game, I'm like, you know what, you guys, you can't hurt me. I, I'm I'm already broken. I'm I I know what's coming and then it happens. I was like, no, I was not I was not ready. Why don't we go ahead and um you know recover a little bit. Let's go and finish off your Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Do I have to? Uh, lick our wounds. Um, then you can leave that one on the table. And let's let the baseball widows fill in for us for a few minutes while we can kind of gain our composure. Baseball Widows are here to take you around the bases. Oh, yeah. Sarah, what's your drink of the week? Um, well, let's see. Jake had some beer sitting on the counter, so I swiped one. It is a Michelob Ultra Pure Gold. Fancy. It only has 85 calories. And healthy. Right? This is practically good for me. I think so. <sighs> Too bad I don't like beer. Okay. So, we're going to take you around the bases, and we're going to start with first base. Otherwise known as, who the hell are these guys? (laughs) I wish I could tell you. Well, let's see. I'm going to say some names, and you tell me if you know who they are. Okay, this will be fun. Sean Armstrong. No. Richard, something I can't read because the font's really small. (laughs) I believe it's Blyer, and that would be a yes. 
I've heard of him. Dylan Bundy. Yeah, but he's from last year. He's from a long time ago. Oh, okay. Funny story. Many, many years ago when there was a baseball store called Poor Boys mm-hmm. in Abingdon, yep. I went in before Father's Day and wanted to buy Scott an Orioles jersey, but I was late and everything was sold out in his size, except for these half-priced jerseys for this kid named Dylan Bundy. Nice! <laughs> the guy convinced me that he was going to be the next up-and-coming pitcher. He was going to be amazing, and this was a great deal on this jersey. So I bought it. And then Dylan Bundy got cut, came back, changed his number. So Scott has a <laughs> Dylan Bundy jersey, just wrong He's number. Got, I mean, that could be worth money one day. That's an original. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Andrew Kashner. No. Miguel Castro. Yes. Paul Fry. No. Michael Gibbons. What the hell? I'm looking at the same list you are, and that is not the way you spell Michael. I had no idea. That's how he spelled it. <laughs> but yes, I've heard of him. David Hess. No. Brandon Klein. No. John Means. No. Jeffrey Ramirez. Good job. No. Dan Strawley. No. Gabrielle. Good luck. <laughs> Come on, try. Say it. <laughs> you can't. I can't. I don't know him anyway. Uh, Pedro... Severino? Nope. Austin Wins? No. Hasner Alberto? No. Chris Davis? Hey, did you hear that he got a hit? What? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Richie Martin? No. Not Ricky Martin. I've heard of Ricky. Renato Nunez? No. Funny story. Ricky Martin was one of the first CDs I ever purchased. Wow. Live in La Vida Loca. She bangs. <laughs> Rio Ruiz. No. Jonathan Villar. No. Stevie Wilkerson. No. Trey Mancini. Yes. Joey Rickard. Yes. Dwight Smith Jr. No. All right. So. Maybe a 10% I should probably start watching baseball. <laughs> but I saw the score today, and that does not make me feel like I want to watch baseball. Will any of these guys be around long enough that we should even bother getting uh, to know Chris them? Chris Davis will be around until we're 90, because... We'll still be paying him. Yeah. Who do you miss the most? For me, it's definitely Adam Jones. Uh, I was going to say, absolutely, positively. Adam Jones, Brian Roberts, and... Always Brian Roberts with you. <laughs> Listen, at least I get him back a little bit, because he's like doing some of the games. I just have to watch, and I get to see him that way. That is true. All right. Well, I guess we're moving on to second base. All right. What's on second? Well, speaking of the good old days, <laughs> have you noticed any difference in Scott and Jake, how they are now that the team is awful, or back to when they were winning? I ha- I actually do. So Jake is interestingly... Let's see, how do I say this? He approached the season differently because he knew they were going to be terrible. And so he didn't want to expect great things all the time and be crushed game after game after game after game. Now, I'm sure that deep down in his orange little heart, he still has high hopes every single game. But he kind of, he doesn't get as grumpy or as pissy and he's not like, not freaking out every time they lose or do something so stupid that I get a notification on my phone about it. Um... Is it bad? I didn't even sign up for the massive notifications this year. It wasn't that. 
So it was bad enough that it was a Sports Illustrated, like, you know how your phone tells you the, the news of the day? Yeah. It came up in that. Oh. <laughs> Apparently, if you <laughs> catch a guy. nationally bad. Yeah. If you catch a guy in a rundown, you're supposed to tag him before you toss the ball onto somebody else. No. Yeah. It's pretty, it was, it was really bad. But yeah, I definitely noticed a, a big difference in Jake as far as the grumpiness. Um, so yeah, there's that. I what think Scott's kind of the same. Um, in recent history, when the Orioles have had tough seasons, I think he's always taken it hard because there was a potential for them to be good. Maybe not great, mm-hmm. but good. Yeah. Um, this year, I don't think think he thinks there's any of that potential so like you said there's not really a letdown yeah and that's kind of kept him a little more chill Mm -hmm. about games and when they win it feels almost better than like an added bonus yeah yeah like something you didn't expect i will also say that i don't at least so far i haven't been doing entirely orange loads of laundry i feel like i still am because that's just what we own (laughs) We didn't go buy a new wardrobe just because the team stinks. Right. Well, that's fair. Now, we switched up our season tickets this Mm -hmm. year, and we're actually going to fewer games. It's true. But I feel like we did that because our lives personally are insane right now with the age of our kids, and it just happens to coincide with the Orioles being terrible. I think we got lucky. I agree. Um, And I know we've talked about this before, but I do think, like, we had some really good years. Mm Mm-hmm. Did we get as far as we wanted? Did we get the World Series? No, but we had a really good run. Mm-hmm. And at least for Scott and I, we were going to a lot of games. I mean, way more than our 13 oh, for sure. games a season. Absolutely. So I feel like I've hit my Oriole status saturation for a while. And like I'm okay yeah. not going to as many games. And, you know, I think your kids are a little bit older than mine. They like going to games, but they're not quite of an age where they're really following wins and losses mm-hmm. beyond the game that they're watching. And you're right. They are so busy that yeah. I don't know that they even know. Yeah. Henry has, I think, has been going to more games than I have because he's so into it now and really mm-hmm. understands what's going on and tracks the players and has his favorites. And so I think going to baseball games is sort of now a Jake and Henry thing more than it is a me and Jake thing, which is fine. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do too. I was kind of hoping that eventually this would happen. And then I could just go to the games I really wanted to. (laughs) Makes sense to me. All right, let's move on to third base. All right, so for third base, the Orioles recently, we were just discussing, made national news as a complete embarrassment. A laughing stock in the world of baseball. And so, Carrie, I would like you to tell me the most embarrassing story you can think of about your husband. Well... The most embarrassing story I can think about, two separate stories, one about each of our husbands, involves a lot of vomit. Um, <laughs> that is the story I was planning to tell, but I have a backup. <laughs> Were you going to tell Jake's vomit story or Scott's vomit story? Oh, I'm going to tell my husband. I was going to let you rat out your husband. Okay. So I still have a little PTSD from this night. By the way, we have not been back to the location That is featured in this story because Carrie's still embarrassed. And I don't even want to say their name on a podcast because it's not their fault that my husband decided to order a super expensive bottle of port wine that he couldn't handle. Couldn't handle. Expected to have help. Well, 
Nobody helped him with it because nobody likes nobody port, likes port wine. wine. What the heck? And couldn't handle it so much that he could not wait for the men's restroom and sort of, kind of, only got in the door of the women's restaurant. <laughs> or restroom, I guess. And we were asked to leave the restaurant, so. We were. Yeah. That was not a good night. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever been kicked out of a place. It is also the only time I've ever been kicked out of a place. (laughs) It is also the only time that I've ever had to ride home with Sarah because I didn't want to be in the same car (laughs) as my husband. We may have made a wrong turn and ended up paying a toll that we didn't need to pay to get home. Into a different county. I mean, whatever. You know, I was just stalling so that he could get himself tucked into bed before you know you got there. Wasn't his finest moment, but for sure. You know. So my story about Jake, I actually wasn't present for, um, but I've heard it so many times because it's really a fun thing to rag him with. Just my car was present. Just just my <laughs> well, and car. Your, and your husband. Oh, yeah. I partially blame him. So there you was... You can completely blame him. It's fine. <laughs> oh, a little bit, Jake. <laughs> there was a an afternoon where the boys decided to go out. I don't know what they were going out for. And I don't know why they took my car. I don't either. I don't know. But the girls had already made plans for the evening. So they had a certain amount of time that they were going to be out. And then they had to be home because there was a child swap to do. So they're out at some Mexican restaurant drinking and eating wings. And apparently, Jake asked for (laughs) the hottest wings that the restaurant could possibly make. And then drunkenly made fun of the chef that he couldn't make them hot enough. So, needless to say, he consumed the wings and probably most of the restaurant's beer, and Scott brought him home, except he didn't make it all the way home before sticking his head out of Carrie's window (laughs) and yakking all over the side of her car Um, and in the parking lot of the place that we lived at the time. So, obviously, he was in no place to watch our children, who at the time were very young and Poor Scott had to take one for the team and stay at my house with his kids and my kids so that everybody survived the night. I feel like we only had one kid at the time. It was fine. Well, Jake made for another three or four. <laughs> good, uh, good times. I'm glad those days are behind us. I hope those days yeah, you are You better knock on something. There you go. All right. So I guess that brings us to home plate. And I've got nothing more Orioles related to talk about. I, I feel like... We've barely mentioned the Orioles so far. That's all I got. All right. I mean, the highlight of my day was seeing an Instagram photo of Anderson Cooper holding Andy Cohen's baby. That sounds like a great place to end this. Yeah. Good night, Baltimore. Good night. All right, Jake, when we last left Birdland, uh, we were kind of happy with how the team was doing overall. The aspect was like, okay, this isn't as bad as it's going. There's some good things going on. Um, And and since then, for the past two weeks, the Orioles have managed to win two games. Two. Um, You know, I was going through the records uh, from 2018 through 46 games, uh, 14 wins, 32 losses, 2019 Orioles. 15 wins, 31 losses. So the Orioles are one win better uh, than they were from last year. 
Uh, the run differential, negative uh, 68 run differential in 2018, 2019, negative 105. So, Jake, uh, we, we came into the season and we said, um, yes, last year was absolutely horrible, um, an abomination. It, it, they can't be any worse than they were last year. It's, it's impossible. I understand that the roster is not going to be as good, but ultimately it's, it's going to be impossible for them to be any worse than they were last year. So, uh, Jake... Um, my question to you is what is there to like about the duck right now? Well, I do like the duck. It's cool. Um, is the duck the only thing going for this team right now? Yeah, I I do think, I do think so. I I think it's the laundry. And I say that because I don't expect that when the Orioles are good again, that any of the, the present Orioles will be there. Right. Right. Um, I am hoping that, uh, Jonathan trade value Villar and Trey trade value Mancini are not here because they have brought us back useful fringe pieces. Right. Uh, and I hope that there is no illusion that anything that happens on the field this year and next year has anything to do with the success or failure of the direction of the club. Sure. We talked, I think we talked two weeks ago about Delmarva. Did we, did we have that conversation? We, we did have that conversation. So Delmarva is just, you know, they're doing really well. They're, they're off to a hot start. Some of their players are, are performing well. And that is right now, I think, the closest we can do to track the rebuild, right? Are the draft picks producing as they should in an organization that isn't completely inept at development? And that is just not a sexy thing to watch. Right. It is not an exciting thing to watch and also has nothing to do with the games that are taking place in Baltimore. Right. So what makes me happy about the, the, the duck? Honestly, it's when unexpected things happen mm-hmm. that are fun. Mm, that right? have to be fun. Yeah. Well, like weird baseball okay. or, or player posi- position pitching. Like that, that's not good for the game. Like I, I get that, but it's fun to watch. Right. The Orioles pulling off, uh, you know, a come from behind victory against a team that should absolutely have been able to finish them off. That kind of stuff is fun. It's few and far between. So it has to fuel you. You know, it has to keep you going. But what makes me happy about this club? I mean, I don't know. It, I was looking forward to seeing if certain players could be major league ready or could be salvaged at the major league level. And I'm not sure that we're seeing that. Sure. You know, one of the other things about this club that I think is interesting is you look at a guy like Miguel Gonzalez, right, who's quickly becoming uh, a protester in his own right. Um, on another club, this dude wouldn't be sniffing the majors, right? He would have come up. He would have thrown really hard. They would have said, oh, a lot of raw talent there, not ready. They would have sent him down to the minors. And one of two things would have happened. Either we never would have heard from him again because he's not good enough to be anything more than a, a quadruple-A player, right? Or they would have sent him down to the minors and they would have finished polishing him off until he was a major league arm. The Orioles don't have that second option. So the question is, can players like uh, Miguel Castro learn anything of value at the major league level? Can they get better? Right. Or is that a talent lost that might not be lost in another organization? The, the one argument I would make about your second point is, according to Matt Kremen, sir, he does have an option remaining. So why did the Orioles not just send him down? Because the cupboard's bare. Because you have to bring right. up another pr- another arm that doesn't mean anything. Right, right. exactly. So uh, there's there's three, I think, interesting storylines um, at, at play right now in, in terms of Duckland. Um, 
we've got um, one story that's kind of been circulating through, I, I would say, the the old school, um, old fogey, crotchety, old men sector. Um, that is, uh, the Orioles need to lock up and extend Trey Mancini to a long-term deal um, and, in essence, make him the face of the franchise moving forward um, because, you know, we let you know, talents such as Manny Machado walk away and we let talents such as Johnson scope walks away. So this is our opportunity to lock in Trey Mancini to a long-term deal, just like other folks are doing with young talent. Jake thoughts on that. It's just not the same level of talent. I don't think now don't get me wrong. Trey Mancini is a fun player to watch. He's having a really good year, right? He's having a legit, probably all-star caliber year right now. Right. And if he can sustain that through the year, awesome. Great. He's 26, 27? I think he's 27. I think he's 27. Yep, he's okay. 27. He's 27. That's at that, like, late peak, right? Ball players are, are peaking that, like, 27 to 29 sure. uh, time frame. You know, he's going to be a really good player for a couple of years, but I think the window will be short and the ceiling will be, you know, not, not impressively high. I, I, I love watching him. I really do. I love watching him do the best that he can out there in the outfield. I love seeing him hit the ball. He's a, he's a good guy. He's great to root for. His mom was excited when he came to the league. Like all that storyline stuff is great. That none of that is pillar organizational player. Sure. But I, I think, you know, coming back to the, the old school folks that are talking about this, like the peach mucks and stuff like that. Um, I, I think ultimately this comes back to one of the issues with the happiness of Duckland and it's, there is no face of this organization and folks are looking for Trey Mancini to be that perennial representative of the, of the team. Um, and you know, certainly if Chris Davis was actually playing really well, um, and he certainly has been playing better since, um, his disastrous start. Um, I think Chris Davis could potentially be that face person, but you can't have a face person that is constantly going through ebbs and woes and flows and, just terribleness is what's going I'm, I'm not sure that I wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay. So uh, Chris Davis was derided for the money he made, derided for, you know, the suspension uh, when they needed him the most in 2014, was derided for his performance right after that huge extension, right up until the momentum shifted and fan support in the middle of what should have been the time they were the hardest on him. It occurred, you know, sometime during the, the hitless streak, the fans got behind him. And now that he's a productive player again, again, not great productive player again, they're really behind him for a fan base that has to settle for a considerable period of time. I can think of no better mascot than a player like Chris Davis for whom we have to settle for what we get now. That's just better than nothing. Sure. So, um, my wife was talking in the previous segment about, uh, jerseys. So I have three jerseys, uh, currently sitting in my closet. I have the Dylan Bundy jersey, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. an off number because he changed his number. 49, right? Yep. yep. I have the original 49. Um, I have, um, Chris Davis's number, um, that I can wear to the ballpark. And then I have Adam Jones. And I feel like if I'm going to the, go to the ballpark, the first jersey I would reach for right now is Adam Jones sure. over Chris Davis and Dylan Bundy. I, yep, yep. I mean, should I feel bad about that? It ultimately feels like, again, when I think face of the organization and I think about who represents me as being what the Orioles are, my aspect is Adam Jones. But do I need to basically move on past it and just say, no, Chris Davis is my new representative, a Duckland? 
and and go from there. Well, here's here's the question: Is that required? Uh, and it's a serious question yeah. because you know when the Orioles um, came back to prominence in 2012, when they hired Buck Showalter, Buck Showalter was in in many ways the face of the franchise. Uh-huh. Right? We had no real stars. Uh, you know, Brian Roberts was still there. Um, Adam Jones wasn't quite yet Adam Jones. Um, Buck Showalter was in many ways the face of the franchise. He was the one that was on commercials. He took that on his shoulders. And I think to the credit of the team, it kind of gave everybody else, you know, some breathing room to develop into what they were going to become. Um, does every club need that pillar player face of the franchise, even if it's a crappy organization, you know, a, an unsuccessful team and therefore a less stellar pillar. Because if it is true that a team needs that, well, then sure, go ahead and sign Trey Mancini, but just know that you're doing it for optics. So here's what I would say is I would agree with you that a team would not need that. But this is Baltimore. The gods will not forgive you. The gods will not forgive you. Uh, we have had an organization that has had folks like Brooks Robinson. Yep. We've had Eddie Murray. We've had Jim Palmer. We've had Cal Ripken. Um, there needs to be a face of the organization. It even comes back down to think about all the stories that were had during the dark ages of who is going to represent this team and go talk to ownership or management in terms of representing the players' interests going forward. Baltimore yearns for an alpha male to come out and say something. And I feel like we still don't have that at this time. So I love the fact that you just said alpha male, and I'd like to use it in a, in a way that doesn't drip uh, of masculine, you know, toxic masculinity. Um, a perfect segue from our previous segment. <laughs> um, but I look back at some of those dark eras and I look at team leaders like Kevin Millar and or Aubrey Huff, guys that were big personalities, if not necessarily big producers, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I look at the the current crop, and I, I, I again, ask myself, does a team require that? Um, and does a fan base require that, even on a crappy team? You know, even on a crappy team, if we have somebody that we know, he's one of us, we know we're going to get him night in and night out, uh, we, you know, we like his personality, and even if we don't like what, what the win and loss record looks like and we think that, you know, the shorebirds are coming up eventually, we'll deal with this person uh, for long enough to be the embodiment of the laundry. Yeah, and I think ultimately that it comes back down to your previous point, which is I feel like Chris Davis is that individual. He is, in essence, the mascot, as it were, of, all right, we decided to cast our lot, as it were, with this individual um, and he represents the uh, misery and woe of this organization, as it were. And uh, either we're going to hit the ball 500 feet and win this ball game, or we're going to strike out five times in this game and be the laughing stocks of the league for this evening. Scotty, every town has its ups and downs. And, and sometimes ups outnumber the downs, but not in Baltimore. Yeah, not in Baltimore. The second story that I think is interesting to me is, um, you know, the whole conversation around the draft coming up and Adley Rutschman. And there was a conversation going around whether or not Adley Rutschman is the right um, individual for the Orioles to select or whether the Orioles should maybe pass on him, choose someone at a lower slot, um, and then have additional money to go out and purchase additional folks. And I, I don't know. I, I've seen way too many Dan Duke drafts that make me sp- 
think that's a terrible strategy. At the end of the day, the Orioles need to take a look and say, is Adley Rutschman the individual that is going to be the best talent going forward for this team with his health concerns? And um, is he, in essence, going to be that star going forward? Is he going to be the one like Matt Wieters, for example, that when Matt Wieters was called up, folks flocked to the ballpark and it became, you know, headline news of Matt Wieters is going to make a start. And people came to the ballpark out there for, you know, I'd say a good solid week to go and see him play. Um, I feel like in essence, this is a really quick way for the Orioles to get that star power. Now that person may not be a star, um, but I feel like this is the quickest way for the Orioles to basically put their stamp on of saying, this is what our plan looks like. You know, this is going to be one of our pillars. Uh, we're going to do additional things around this, but this is our first indication on a visual public facing front that this is what the team is going to look like in three to five years. So I understand the question and I acknowledge the merits of the question, but I do not accept the premise. And here's okay. Why. The number one pick is important. Yeah. And the number one pick is hugely important. I think that the Orioles do with it what the majority of other well-run organizations would do. Right. And so at the end of draft day, day one, if the, you know, quote unquote experts look back and say, the Orioles made a good move, that that's a, that's a move that a real baseball club makes, then I'll be happy. And, and here's why I'm not necessarily convinced that this club is going to be saved by a uh, Manny Machado, a Bryce Harper, a Mike Trout. I think that this organization is going to be saved by a shotgun blast and not a rifle. Mm -hmm. Right. And so my desire is to see an organization that can spot talents in multiple rounds can then develop that talent and knows enough to go after guys that turn into, you know, um, Jonathan scopes and, and Brian Roberts's and, you know, Trey Mancini's and complementary players at least. Mm -hmm. Right. So that they can then assemble a team that is almost ready and then go out and get their Frank Robinson, right? And go out and get the star yes. power through. And, and the organization has been hanging its hopes on Jesus's and cleats for too long and failing at all the things that, were, that are required to make that work. Sure. Um, so, yeah, the, the number one pick is hugely important. I hope they get it right. And I hope that the person they pick pans out. They don't sometimes, many times. But for me, it'll be so much more important to see over the next few years what are their number two, number three, number five round? You know, how many useful players are they getting out of the ninth round? Sure. Right? How many players are they promoting year after year after year that become productive players in whatever league that they're in? So I agree. Important, but to me, not as pivotal as the full picture. And I completely agree. And this actually comes back to my third point. Um, and, you know, of course, you kind of answered what is good in Duckland. Um, the one thing that really bothers me right now in terms of um composition of the team as it were is i look through the starting rotation and i look through the bullpen and i say there's nobody there there's nobody there that i'm even interested in seeing how they develop i mean dylan bundy maybe to a certain regard but i'm mainly just now watching dylan bundy and being like be great if you can get it together but more than likely he's not going to get it together and Again, he's not going to be that ace that we were looking for. And I think that's what I struggle with most. And it's one of the things I've struggled with even through 2012 to 2016 is there has never been this 
proverbial ace, as it were, or this young pitching staff, or in essence of the Dark Ages, where is my next cavalry, as it were? Um, and I think until I see that next cavalry, uh, I can't get excited or happy about this team. So when I see reports come out from about Grayson Rodriguez, 19 years old, and scouts are saying that may be the best, best fastball that I've seen so far this season, and I look at Grayson Rodriguez at 19 years old posting a 31.9% K minus walk rate uh, and pitching to a 2.3 XFIP, yeah, I, I, I get a little bit more excited and I'm like, okay, what if he is a number two starter? What if he is our potential ace going forward? I mean, only 19 years old and being drafted in the 2018 draft. What if he is an individual that all of a sudden we hit on and that's going to be our person going forward and our folks like a DL Hall and a Hunter Harvey round out our rotation? What if we finally have an ace-like pitcher on our staff? And I think that's what I want to see. I want to see... Someone that comes in as a prospect that, again, is going to be, you know, a top 20 prospect, just like Kevin Gossman, just like Dylan Bundy, who comes into the league and dominates. And when I see that, that'll probably be the person I buy their next jersey. I don't I don't want to say this negatively, but the Orioles did not try to win this year. Oh, right? of course not. They they. You know, said, damn the torpedoes, and we'll try one more time in 2018. And all the, the breaks went against them, right? Uh, and the roster that they had assembled and clung to for far too long just broke. And the guys that they brought in to round out the 2019 club are not major league caliber players, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're quadruple A players, or they are a handful of Ryan Flaherty's, right? Stevie Wilkerson is getting playing time on this team right now. They're not trying to win in Duck, you know, in in Baltimore, um, but they are trying to win GM mode in in the uh, video game, right? They're trying to build the organizational strength. So, how can you be happy, Scotty? Yeah, you need to drive to Aberdeen. Yeah, you need to drive to Salisbury. Yep. Because if you look at Norfolk and if you look at Bowie, things are not impressive there either. No, because that's the rot from the old organization. The best hope that we have is 19 years old. Now that's that's a hard that's a hard statement. It is a hard statement. But especially the, coming from a 35-year-old. The cre- oh, is it 36 now. The the creme de la creme <laughs> of that wave when they start to reach the majors. Once they do, then the organization can start building around that. Sure, right. It makes no sense for them to sign players to long-term deals. It makes no sense for them to bring in meaningful free agents. But when they have something or when they think they might have something, that's when you're going to see it. So we're, you know, we're a couple of years away. And so what we have to do is we have to make do with what we've got. We don't have a lot, but baseball is a wonderful game. And if you stick with it long enough, it gives you gems. It gives you moments. It gives you nuggets. Oh, that's a loaded term with uh, some Orioles, uh, ghosts of Orioles past. But there are some moments to hang on to. And I think, you know, we need to settle. We need to lower the bar. But we also need to just give what the game gives us. You know, we have a an absolute dong from Rio Ruiz, a guy who shouldn't be playing meaningful time at, in the major league level in the infield. Okay. We have Chris Davis hitting his brains out after never doing it. Like how often does this happen? Sure. You know, it goes back to, to season one bird's eye view. You say this thing shouldn't happen. Now let me try to explain why it did. Right. I think that's the best we got. 
Yeah. And I think like you said, um, you take the best for what you got in a very limited, small sample size. And, you know, when the Orioles go and manage to win one or two games from the Yankees in a series, you laugh at it. And uh, you just say sometimes you can't predict baseball and you enjoy those real worries, you know, hits. Unfortunately, over the past two weeks, things are what they have been expected to be in Baltimore. Let's hope that baseball once again is unpredictable in Duckland. Well, with that, Jake, let's go ahead and uh, find out uh, who won this past two weeks in Fantasy Boss. Every week that you win, I forgot you moved from Elvis to Who's the Boss. Delightful. All right, so Jake, uh, the last two weeks we decided to go with the uh, fantasy balls category of multiplier dongs, which is what I'm going to call it. Uh, so Jake, you had picks of Renato Nunez, Pedro Severino, Trey Mancini, and Rio Ways as your your big donger. Uh, I did Jonathan Villar, Dwight Smith, Chris Davis, and Trey Mancini. The totals came out to be 23 for you, Jake, 28 for myself. So uh, ties it up two, two, and one. Scotty, I protest. Uh-huh. I absolutely do not believe that you would you would go to such depths. You would stoop so low. To use math? I don't think you had strep last week. I think the numbers didn't work out to your liking after a week, and you wanted another week to try to get them up. Uh, that's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two, two, and one. So that ties us up. That ties us up with a tie. This is exciting. This is good times for Fantasy Boss. Um, Scotty, I'm going to go with something that's that's harder to count along with something that's more difficult to um, to to kind of you know look at, at on the everyday basis. I, I want to do Woba, but okay. before we go to Woba, I want to take a step back. Sure. I've I've mentioned a couple times Rio Ruiz. We've talked about Hanser Alberto, who I feel like the, the bloom is a little off the rose right now. Uh, we've got Jonathan VR. Uh, who else is, is playing the infield for that? Renato Nunez, right? Yep. So we have these, with the exception People. of VR, we've got these spare parts, right? I would be really interested to do a comparison of their UZR or DRS. Like mm-hmm. what I find the defensive metrics to be lacking so far. Black magic. We're, we're getting there, yeah. but lacking so far. But just find the best one that we can, mm-hmm. right? The one that we believe the most in or or choose to believe the most in for a week. And just, you know, figure out which of these guys is hurting us the least in the field. Okay. Uh, so I, I thought it was kind of weak sauce for Fantasy Boss because a week is not long enough to do that. Sure. Um, you know, I thought that, that you know, it, it would be boring as all get out, like, you know, Woba isn't. But let, let's consider... For sure. a future wild card, perhaps, we pick a month's worth of play for one of these spare part guys, pick a defensive stat, right. and see how, how we fall. So we have some time coming up, um, coming into June. So maybe we come back and say, for June, we're going to pick a defensive stat. How about I go back to uh, looking up through the research category and, and basically presenting with you some some information, as it were. You... you uh, do a little, do a little work because it's clearly not my uh, strong point. But you come up with a defensive stat that you believe in or believe in enough for for this discussion. We'll take the entirety of June. We'll still do weekly fantasy sure. boss, but we'll have a, a bonus June 
Um, bonus June sector bonus segment. June. We also have something coming up on June 15th. We do. We had a bet for, was it Chris Davis? Yeah. I'm still hoping that he gets caught with like cocaine or something like that at this point. <laughs> a dead girl or a live boy, I think is the phrase. Uh, listen, I don't want to have Jill Davis be dead. Okay. <laughs> All let's, right. let's not hope for that. So let's, let's, you figure that out. We'll, okay. uh, we'll do the, the June bonus, but for now, um, it is, what would talk. So yeah. just, just a review. I, I think that way to run create a plus is probably the best overall, um, and, and easily weighted uh, or valued, uh, offensive category. But what, what was a good one? Right? Sure. And the nice thing about it is that it, it weighs, you know, extra base hits over a hit by pitch or a walk. Yeah. Right. Um, so with all that said, who was your Woba King for the next week? Hmm. For my next week, uh, I'm going to have to go with Boom Boom Trey Mancini. All right. Taking chalk. But, uh, Scotty, it's failed me in the past, but I'm going to go back to the well. I'm taking the crusher. The crusher. I'm surprised you didn't take Big Stevie Wilkerson. You know, it, that is a surprise yeah. on so many, so many levels. levels. So many levels. So uh, we're going to go with Trey Trey, and we're going to go with Chris Davis, who will own it this week in Waiter Runs Korea Plus. And with that, let's find out who was good who was bad, and who was ugly these past two weeks in Duckland. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, let's talk about it this week. I'm going to start out with the good, and we just talked about them, Scott. My my good's going to go to Stevie Wilkerson. Um, and just like whose line anyway, is it anyway, the, the games are made up and the points don't matter. Uh, I'm not as interested in the stats themselves. I'm interested in the, the forest through the trees, so to speak. Uh, Stevie Wilkerson was useful this week. He was uh, a player that... A player could be a spare part on a contending club. That's the way he played this week. Now he won't do that here because this club won't contend. Uh, and he's not valuable enough for us to trade. But what I think is interesting about the way that Stevie Wilkerson is playing right now, if he keeps this up or, you know, even a modicum of it, I feel like he's putting himself in a position where he's a no brainer for a club to pick up as a 25th guy. Mm-hmm. If the Orioles ever DFA him, right? If they get into a roster trouble and they've got to let him go, I feel like Stevie Wilkerson is playing himself on to 29 other clubs. So for that, I say good on you. And he's my good. Uh, I'm going to give it to the Orioles organization for going out and offering compensation to those that had Mother Day, Mother's Day tickets and saying, hey, you can come back for a value or classic game since that you had to sit through a three-hour rain delay. Good thing Orioles for doing the right decision from a business standpoint. Again, obviously tickets are available for this season, but the Orioles did the right thing of saying, hey, why don't you come back and bring mom once again and uh, come out to the yard to celebrate with her? And, you know, that's a real loss for them. That's that's yeah. taking money out of their pockets sure. and they're doing it to do the right thing. So yeah. I, I agree. Good yeah. on them. Um, my bad is going to go to Dan Straley. Does he even baseball? I don't think so. Is there a reason that he's on this club? I don't think so. Because he's not even eating up innings. 3.1 or whatever it was this week is not eating up innings. He's not just another guy that they brought in. He's worse than the other guys. Yeah. And it's it's not just this this week, just in the past two weeks, you know, seven and two thirds, five point eight seven Ks per nine, four point seven oh walks per nine. I mean, it, there's nothing here. I mean, I I appreciate the Orioles going out and trying it, 
Um, but obviously it didn't work. Yeah. Um, as you said, I guess it's a body, but man, it's, it, I don't just, there's no point to it. It, it's, it's, it's useless. He's no different than Jeffrey Ramirez at this point. He's no different than anybody. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't understand why the DFA train hasn't hit Dan Straley at this point yet. Um, so yeah, completely understand. Um, you know, my bad is going to go to David Hess, um, who pitched two games, um, this past two weeks, um, going five innings, um, decent K rate, decent walk rate, but man, the home runs are going to kill him. If he keeps throwing the ball over the plate, like he does, um, he's going to set himself up for a fail. Um, you know, popping out there with a 10.21 FIP, um, again, home runs just can't have them. Dylan Bundy can inform you of that David Hess, but David Hess, you've been bad over the past two weeks. Yeah. Uh, my ugly is going to go to Richard Blyer. And again, I want to look at the, the forest, not the trees. I'm not even going to zone in on, on the stats this week. It's all about the feels, Scott, and how Richard Blyer, your dick, makes me feel. He represented hope for me, Scott, waiting for him to get better, just knowing that we would have another arm back there in the bullpen, a dependable arm, somebody I know, someone I trust, someone who's been good in the past. And if him coming back and being mortal is what's going to happen, what, what do I have left to hope for? And so a lack of hope in this one small instance of uh, duck baseball, that's my ugly. Yeah. Um, mine's a little more personal. Uh, my ugly is going to go to Matt Taylor's son. Ooh. Um, kid, you ruined Renato Nunez for all of us. He was supposed to be our savior at third base, and then you decided to go and root for him, and you cursed him as part of the process. These past two weeks, he had 32 plate appearances, posting a menial 100 batting average. I'm sorry, less than 100 batting average, an 097 batting average, good for a negative 15 weighted runs created plus. Matt Taylor's son, you are on notice. Matt, I had nothing to do with that. And now that we've made things uncomfortable, let's blow the save and get worse. Scotty, you could have been my ugly this week. Mm -hmm. I got a bone to pick with you. Yeah. All right. People may not know this, but Scott and I just don't spend every Monday night together. We're also part of a group that eats dinner uh, every Friday night together. We've been doing this for like 10 years. Easy. Uh, It's five couples in our uh, accumulated family. At this point, we're up to 10 kids. How old is your daughter? kids. I'm getting there, you jerk. So Scotty and I are uh, in the kitchen for some... uh, Charity work and Bible study on Friday night, uh, having a few brews after dinner. When my Michelob Golds, (laughs) when my daughter, 11 years old, walks in and says, uh, because she's been listening to a lot of a lot of podcasts, right? She really enjoys the the medium, which I'm super excited about. She's got some uh, great kid appropriate podcasts that that she's uh, uh, really enjoying and some liberal tendencies. And uh, so she says, uh, Dad, can can I listen? to bird's eye view and before i can get the drink out of my mouth scott goes yeah of course and maddie just trots off trots off la 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 so i didn't didn't put two and two together uh later that week later that week later that week i walk into the house and your voice scott is booming 
Of course it is. Booming through my house through our smart speaker. Yeah. And to my horror, my 11-year-old was listening to Bird's Eye View. What was she doing to my booming voice? Uh, she was just listening. Okay. Now, you you and I have made some decisions about this podcast along the way. Yes. We've we've made some changes. Yes. Uh, like this week on the Twitter as opposed to... <laughs> yes, like this week on the Twitter as opposed to something else. Uh, we at some point decided to, to stop using adult language so that we would not present uh, barriers to entry for folks to listen so that, you know, if they were... Uh, listening with their, their kids in the car or whatever, they could get away with it. Hi, Matt Taylor's son. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking at you still. But now I, I am seriously, wor- if it's my own kid, yeah. now I'm really worried. I think there's only one answer here, Scott. Okay. First is I'm going to take a baseball bat mm-hmm. and I'm going to smash my smart speaker. Mm, smart. And then I'm going to take my baseball bat and I'm going to smash your knees in. Uh-huh. Don't tell my daughter she can listen to Bird's Eye View. Those two hacks, those two lonely guys talking in their basement, they're not appropriate for anyone. Listen, um, I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, as an 11-year-old girl, um, your daughter is very impressionable. However, let's be honest. You've ruined her by exposing her to the Beatles at a young age. Um, so, you know... She's already a disaster, as it were. So, um, cuckoo, cuckoo, as it were. You know, usually we love it when we pick up new listeners. In this case, Eek. he comes with an asterisk. <laughs> and that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available forever. It is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, including you, Maddie English, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on social media on Instagram. We won't even hide the score. Facebook and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go Ducks. You know, uh, Mother's Day, it's my favorite episode. Yeah. It's the only episode in the year that I could sit back and, and you know listen to the show as a listener. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear all the lovely accolades that are laid at our feet tonight by our wives. I'm sure the praise was just magnanimous. Yeah. Delicious. Delicious. You know what else is delicious? Duck. Roasted duck. Roasted duck. Yeah. We need to have a show of just duck recipes. Yeah. Good chewy skin. Very good. Orange. Orange. Quack. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.